And I think balance is like, it's not this like end place that you get to, right? But like at least feeling at the end of the day where it was like, okay, I was productive in my work life, but then I also kind of filled my soul personally too. So like doing things for myself. Welcome to Let's Thrive, a lifestyle podcast meant to expand your consciousness with new age wisdom, advice, empowerment, and inspiration. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and tune in every Wednesday for an insightful conversation with guests whom are just like you and me, trying to figure out this crazy world we live in. Enough said, let's thrive. Hello, and welcome back to Let's Thrive. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and as usual, I'm so excited to be here with you guys today. Thank you again for tuning in. Those are just my words of gratitude for you. So as I mentioned in my last intro, I'm trying to infuse more of, you know, my personal life and everything into the podcast, not to bore anybody, but just because I know some of you do care. And so in the last one, I mentioned all the blood tests and, you know, health stuff I'm getting done. And I actually just got off the phone call and it's frustrating because of course nobody can give me just an answer you know everything has to be little you know ideas of what the issue is and whatnot and then I can't get any actual answers until I meet with the doctor which unfortunately cannot be until July 15th but as of now it looks like I have an partially active infection of hepatitis A and a raging case of hepatitis C possibly and most likely autoimmune based. If you don't know what that is, that's totally okay. I'm not going to go in depth here and explain it. And uh, no, I did not get it from drug use or sharing needles or anything like that. It's a long story for another day, but basically my mom was getting treated for cancer and in the hospital they had an outbreak of hepatitis C cases because a nurse there was using and using the needles of patients such as my mom. She got it and somehow I got it. I don't know how, you know, um, but I got it and it's raging a war inside of me. And so, you know, it's, it's tricky. Um, you know, I'm kind of at a loss for words and I'm sorry. This is, wow, this is a very depressing start. I'm sorry, guys. I probably should have waited until I had time to analyze after the phone call, but nevertheless, I have a positive mindset because my mindset is, you know, I'm done playing the what if game. What if it is this? What if it is this severe? Whatever. Like, I am just going to surrender because life happens for me, not to me. Whatever happens is going to expand me and grow me. And I'm just, I'm ready. At least I have answers, eh? That's what I've been asking for. And so, you know, and in this, it's important that I don't associate with it. So I'm trying my hardest to not associate with, you know, my sickness, if you want to call it that, whatever. Like, I am trying to not let the fatigue and, you know, all the symptoms that come along with it define me in my life because that's what I did for so long and I'm done with that. I'm done associating with it, you know? And so, it's actually, this may be a depressing intro, but it plays in part to today's guest, Ali Bonar from Avo Queen. So she is the entrepreneur behind the beloved granola butter. And if you haven't heard of that, it's a granola spread that is nut-free, seed-free. It's like free of the top eight allergies, I believe. And, you know, it's if you have gut issues, if you have allergies, anything, and it tastes out of this world amazing. So I had her on today, not for that reason, actually, of entrepreneurship, but because she has a very interesting story that has started to develop lately where she was diagnosed with Hashimoto's and it, you know, kind of came out of the blue. She had some previous health issues, but then this diagnosis kind of hit and instead of, you know, keeping it inside, shutting down, she has just blossomed and she's sharing so openly and beautifully on her social media and just connecting with so many people struggling with the same thing. She's been on a bunch of podcasts, but I am very honored that this is the first one where she talks about all of this health stuff because it's the first one I believe she's been on since. It, I, you know, asked her very soon after because I knew that that was the point I would connect with her on because actually a lot of her symptoms and health issues can correlate to mine. Obviously, we now know they are not the same, but they're similar. She shares, you know, just her health journey with how her symptoms started up and 
how long it took her to, you know, actually find a doctor to help her diagnose her, give her the right blood tests. You'll hear us, you know, talking about the difference between conventional medicine and these more holistic natural ways that we have both now found. And as I mentioned before, we talk about how it's so important to not let any diagnosis or any ailment, illness define you. I mean, you are a separate entity from whatever is plaguing your body. And if you let it drag you down and you define by it, then you're going to be dragged down. And, you know, I, I think that is one of the most powerful parts of this conversation we have because it's so true for me right now. And, you know, I'm struggling with it, but I'm, I'm getting there. So it's probably good that we did this interview. She also shares how, you know, even though it sucks to be diagnosed with Hashimoto's and all these other issues she has, it has forced her to put on the brakes, slow down, and reevaluate her life. And this is evident on her Instagram, like, she is a new woman. (laughs) She is taking care of her mental health, physical, emotional health. Not that she wasn't before, but now she has this focus and determination to just heal herself fully and, you know, feel her best again. And so I just absolutely love that. And we go over, you know, how she does this, whether it's through meditation, low impact exercise, foods for healing, and not restriction. Because in this, we do touch base on her disordered way of eating, which is something I connect with, and I'm sure many of you can. And, you know, she explains how obviously this is serious and you need to heal and feel better, but you also have to have fun. And so she shares that although she can't drink anymore, she still finds ways to have fun, and you'll know that if you follow her on Instagram. And then we do jump into a bit of granola butter and why she started the company, how she started it, and I asked her a lot of questions about how she manages running it alongside her boyfriend and a close friend, you know, without overstepping boundaries between personal work and social life. So that's an interesting closeout to the conversation. I just absolutely love this one, and I think you guys will too. If you want to connect with her, she's on Instagram at avoqueen, queen is spelled with a K, and you can find her granola butter page from there as well. And I'm curious if you guys, you know, resonate with anything in this, or you just like it, whatever, share it on your stories, tag me at thrive underscore on life, and Allie at avoqueen. We would love to hear your feedback. It means the world to me and makes me smile, guys. Let's be honest, makes me smile. And as usual, if you're fe- if you're feeling extra grateful, I don't know the word today. Maybe you could go on iTunes, leave a rate, review, subscribe, even. Either way, I still love and appreciate you all. So, without further ado, let's jump right into this conversation with Allie. Um, but that's awesome. You're catching it early. Yeah. No. Certainly, because. I mean, I've had these like issues and symptoms for a while, but the conventional mm-hmm. doctors just, you know, wrote it off. And it wasn't until I saw like a functional doctor that he noticed, you know, my markers were slightly out of the, you know, functional range. And so right. then that's when he put me on like thyroid support and all these, you know, different support supplements. And so, yeah, I definitely agree. There's, you have to find that like tricky balance between them. But. Totally. Yeah. And I was always like, I don't know. I was very team like conventional medicine. Like I, I don't know. I just never went to like an, an ND or anything because I never really needed to. And then, cause I was like, I don't need to do that. And then now that I like had all these issues, I'm like, thank goodness I found my person. <laughs> She's been like a lifesaver. No, honestly. Yeah. It, it gets tricky to even find them. I, they're, you know, at least on the East coast, it's been like yeah itself to even find someone willing to you know right approach it that way yeah where are you based again um I'm in Pennsylvania it's okay yeah just this small ass town <laughs> yeah um, yeah so it, it gets tricky but definitely yeah. worth it <laughs> yeah exactly well I always start out by asking the guest what is one thing that has made you smile today oh okay one thing that's made me smile today, ooh, probably my little dog, Squishy. Um, so I don't know if you have seen my stories or anything, but we, like, I think it's been a couple a couple months ago now. Um, and he, he's just, I mean, he adds a lot to our life in terms of, like, makes it more stressful, but he is the best thing that I've ever done. And it was just funny because my boyfriend and I both, like, neither of us had 
the time or money to spend on a new puppy, but both of us were like, we need one. Um, so he's been great. So he definitely made me smile today. How, how did you guys, like, where'd you get him from? Cause he is out of this world cute. If, if you, yeah. if anyone listening has not seen this dog go right now. <laughs> <laughs> he's super cute. Um, yeah. So we actually, I grew up with like those, um, big racing greyhounds, like the rescue greyhounds, um, which are completely the opposite of, of what he is. So, um, yeah, when my boyfriend and I were thinking about getting a dog, we were actually looking at like golden retrievers, um, just cause they're so happy. We wanted like a very, just like gentle, like happy, like mellow dog. Um, but we wanted one that was like small enough that we could take, you know, with us cause we travel a lot. So we like found this breed. It was like, um, he, so he's called a Havanese. Um, I guess like it comes from like, they used to be, or they originated from like Havana, Cuba, um, which is super random, but, um, yeah, so we like found this breed and then kind of like looked into it. And I remember I had a girlfriend growing up who had one and they're just the smartest little dog. So, um, yeah, so we got him out from a woman out in like Palm desert, like Palm Springs area. Um, and he's just been, he's so fun. He has like a little personality. It's funny how like once they kind of grow out of their puppy stage, like they start to develop, you know, um, into themselves. But do you have dogs too? Or are you kind of, yeah, I, I'm actually a big like cat person. So, I mean, people who follow me on Instagram know this, so I'll just say it here too, but we have 14 rescue cats and yeah, but it's hilarious because I think it's like six of them I've raised since the day, since they were like two days old. And it's the same thing. Their personalities are so like obvious. It's hilarious. They're like literal little humans. And yeah. Yeah. And I, mean, I have a dog too. I'm about to have another one. Actually, I took in another rescue, but um, oh. yeah, I just, I'm a big animal person and your dog is, <laughs> he's a character. He's like a little kid every time. I love it. <laughs> He is. He really is. Yeah. And it's been so fun too. Cause both of us, you know, my boyfriend, and I work from home. So it's like, it kind of has created a nice, like forced work-life balance, you know, cause it's like, he's so playful and like, just want, like has to, you know, go outside and take him on walks and stuff like that. So it's been good for us because before we were just kind of like, like in work mode all the time. And so he's been like a nice needed distraction. No. Yeah. Pets are Pets are amazing for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, now that we all know about Squishy, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's delve right in. So for anyone unfamiliar with you, could you just give like a brief summary of who you are and what you do? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm Allie. I, um, I live in San Diego now, but I was up in the Bay Area, San Francisco um, for about seven years before that. Um, and so I studied nutrition in college, um, and I went up to UC Berkeley uh, in the Bay Area. And, you know, I guess my story kind of just goes back to college. Um, and I've always been so passionate about food and healthy eating and, and you know, just really always creative in the kitchen. Um, and so I decided, obviously, you know, studying nutrition would kind of be the next step with that. Um, and so I did my undergrad there. But unfortunately, when I was in college, um, developed kind of, um, I call it, you know, disordered eating. Um, and it really was just this preoccupation with food. So um, I was always kind of just, you know, mentally thinking about it and wondering kind of, did I eat enough? Um, what am I going to eat next? Just like this mental chatter that was going around um, about food. And so that was kind of all stemming from just honestly knowing too much about nutrition. Um, and so it was really, you know, stemming from kind of this stress that I put on trying to eat perfectly clean all the time. Um, and so that continued throughout college. And then, um, I graduated, moved into San Francisco and started to work in tech and just really never kind of got a grip on it. And always, you know, I, I remember like going out to dinner with girlfriends and, um, and we were really, you know, hadn't seen each other for a while. So I was really excited to see them and just the whole dinner. I couldn't even focus on the conversation because I was so focused on, you know, ordering the healthiest thing on the menu and then, you know, trying to not eat too much the whole time. And I just remember leaving that dinner feeling so mad at myself because 
I hadn't even been present in the conversation. And that was really my turning point. I mean, I know a lot of people have these kind of rock bottom moments and, and mine wasn't a moment of, you know, I'm like in the bathroom trying to make myself throw up or anything, but it really was just this moment where I was realizing like I was allowing my life to pass me by and I wasn't present and I wasn't, you know, in the moment with the people who really cared for me. And so that was even more powerful. And that was really when I realized, okay, I need to make a change somehow. And so I reached out to a woman I found on Instagram, um, actually, which is so millennial of me, but, um, and she was a nutritional therapist and, um, really specialized in helping women kind of heal their relationship with food. And she changed my life. Um, I worked with her for about six months and really she kind of shifted this paradigm of like how I perceived food as just, you know, numbers, like nutrients, calories, grams. It was all very analytical and calculated and it just really sucked all the fun out of cooking and eating. And she kind of spun it, you know, back into the creative side, which was the reason that I have loved food for so long was really just being creative in the kitchen. And so I launched my Instagram account, which I still run um, today. And I really, when I started, it was just kind of a way, it was like a creative space for me to start to play with my food again. It really started as a food slash recipe um, blog. And I just started doing these crazy kind of like weird drippy smoothies. And it was like very artistic for me. And um, that's really where it began. And then it since has kind of morphed into more, um, you know, body positive and self-love messages, as well as kind of how I'm navigating um, recovery and starting my own business. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's just been such a journey. That was about two, I think I've been running it for about two years. And so now um, I live in San Diego and I have my own food company, which I launched with my boyfriend um, a little over a year ago. And yeah, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. <laughs> I love it. And you've had such a journey and just following along for probably about a year now, it's been so apparent, like your growth too. Like you mentioned, you've started doing more, you know, like personal posts and they, they always connect. You have such a way with words. I have to say, like, I love it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. I love Instagram because it really is like, I think people are using it like micro blogging almost. And it really is nice because I mean, the goal for me is really to help other people either relate in some way or, you know, maybe they can kind of, they'll resonate with something that I say in their own personal journeys. But really, I mean, it's so healing for me as well. Just like writing out, it's kind of like a journal, you know, in a sense. Definitely. My notes on my phone where I write out all my captions. (laughs) I'm like, if you were to scroll through this, you'd know everything going on in my life right now. (laughs) Totally. Exactly. I do the same. And I thought it was interesting you mentioned before like the concept of how you just had rather a disordered eating disorder like view of food and I just had I don't know if you know her but Hannah Guthman um Mm -hmm. I just had yeah I just had her on the podcast and after we got done recording she and I were just talking about how there really is I feel a difference between you know just having this disordered way of eating versus like a almost clinical diagnosed, like eating disorder. And so I'm just wondering, like, when you realized like you had an issue and it was just this disordered view of food, this disordered way of eating, what was the first step that you took to get help? You know, whether that was the nutritional therapist you saw, or was there something you did even before that? So if someone's just making this realization about themselves, they can, you know, start at base one. Totally. Yeah. I mean, something that I always really like to emphasize too is I I think you, you were exactly right. Like eating disorder has kind of this connotation of a super emaciated girl, you know, in the hospital, right. Who has, who's been diagnosed with anorexia and, and never eats. And I just think, you know, while that's true for some people, I think that the spectrum of disordered eating is so, so broad. And a lot of women actually feel um, you know, almost like they can't relate in a sense when people say, Oh, I had an eating disorder because, and I definitely couldn't because I was thinking, you know, I was same weight as I am now, actually, you know, it was just, my mindset was so different. And, um, and so I remember thinking like, I don't know, I look kind of like I'm healthy looking, you know, I, 
Um, I still go out and like drink with my girlfriends. Like I still am eating. Um, it's just this kind of perception of food. So I think that's like the biggest thing that I want to make clear is that like, you know, it's such a spectrum and you don't have to fall into this category because for so long I would, I didn't seek help because I was like, well, I'm eating, you know, I'm not throwing up my food, like those types of things. And so I was like, I guess I don't really have a problem, but I really encourage anyone who, even if you feel like, you know, you're just, you have a little bit of like weirdness around food, or maybe it's not weird, but like you just are thinking about food all the time, or it's like somehow interfering with your life. Like that is reason enough to, you know, go see a professional or, um, or talk to a friend about it. Like it doesn't have to be a big deal, but yeah. But to answer your question, um, before I even reached out to Molly, I mean, the biggest thing was telling someone who, who cared about me. So I know that's probably the scariest thing, but that really, I think just getting outside of yourself, like it can be super isolating. So for me, it was, you know, for the longest time I kept saying, Oh, I can figure this out on my own. I'm, I'm very like type a, you know, perfectionist. I think a lot of us are. And so I kept thinking like, Oh, I'll be able to just figure this out. Like, or I'll, you know, maybe I'm just stressed right now. Like it'll work itself out. And it never really did. I mean, there were moments where it was definitely better and, and moments where it was worse, but I think really telling someone removes the pressure on yourself and that way you're not holding it inside. And, um, yeah, that would be like my biggest tip. Definitely. And I think alongside that too, like once you tell someone, I don't know, it's like, once you say the words out loud, it kind of like wedges the door open for more opportunities to, you know, like receive help or to acknowledge it about yourself as well. Mm-hmm. I think so. Totally. And something that I, um, I like to also emphasize too, is like, if, you know, one of your best girlfriends came to you or, or your mom and they told you, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm struggling with food or just like, I, like, I kind of had this weird relationship with food. Like you would never, you know, I don't think you would, you would never judge them or you would never like think they're weird or, you know, tell them that they're like dumb for thinking that, right? Like you would probably be there for them with arms and like respect them and, you know, try to help them in any way you can. And so thinking like on the flip side, that really helped me because then, you know, your friends and your family are going to do the same for you. It's a hundred percent true. And that's, that's a very good mindset to go into it thinking as well. Cause it kind of, it, it takes you out of, you know, puts you back in the present moment of connecting to other people as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so something that you've started sharing about, you know, rather recently is that besides, you know, that past with, you know, issues around food and your body and everything, you've recently also had some actual like health issues come up. And so I was just wondering if you could maybe share where this health story begins. Maybe, you know, when you started to feel these symptoms or just know that something wasn't right with the body and then, you know, how you went about seeking help for that and trying to find a solution. Yeah, absolutely. So um, before I started my food company, I was working in tech in San Francisco and was traveling a ton. I mean, I was flying probably every other week, just all over the U.S. And really, I mean, living in San Francisco, it's a very like fast-paced lifestyle, like any big city. Um, and I was living right in the heart of the city, you know, trying to balance my side hustle of my Instagram, my full-time job, you know, being social, seeing my friends, uh, working out. It was just, it got to be so much. And so I I was about to quit my job actually and move to San Diego, start my company. Um, and I think it just was, you know, in hi- hindsight is 2020, but at the time I'm like, why is this happening to me? But look, looking back, it was like, well, you had so much going on. Um, but I started to feel, I started to get vertigo. Um, and just the dizziness and lightheadedness was so bad. Like I couldn't even get out of bed. I remember I was in Denver, I think for a work trip and I was so dizzy from like the vertigo. I thought it was altitude sickness and I couldn't get out of bed. And like, I had to fly home early from this work event. And so long story short, I get back to SF and they're just doing tons of tests and blood work. And, um, this is all, you know, a conventional doctor. Um, and also I had like these weird hand tremors. Like it looked like I had Parkinson's, like my hands were trem, like shaking so badly. 
um, and, you know, feeling really lightheaded. So it was kind of a lot of just random um, symptoms. And so I went to my, my, you know, primary care physician and she just basically told me that it was all in my head. Um, and they had done, you know, all the tests, they did an EKG, um, they did an MRI, they did everything, everything was coming back normal. And I was so frustrated because I was like, I have never felt this way in my life. Like I have always been healthy. Um, and so she's like, you know, are you stressed? And I was like, yeah, isn't everyone like, of course I'm stressed. <laughs> like I'm quitting my job and moving to San Diego and starting a company. Yes, I am stressed. Um, but I didn't feel like it was enough to warrant this like full body reaction. Right. And so I finally end up somehow going, stumbling upon this naturopathic doctor who specialized in vertigo and, um, cause at the time the dizziness and the vertigo was the worst. Cause it's like, I don't know if you ever had vertigo, but like you can't function. Like I, you couldn't even look at my phone because it would like send me into like <laughs> the spins. Um, and so I started, so I went to her and she did, you know, a bunch of blood work and my Epstein bar virus numbers were like off the charts. And she was like, Oh my gosh, like this is one of the worst cases I've ever seen. And I was like, Oh my God, thank God. Like something, you know, like I wasn't happy about it, but I was like, I felt validated. I was like, okay, I'm not crazy. Um, and so she put me on this crazy supplement and treatment protocol of like all these antivirals and stuff, but from a more holistic, um, immune supportive place. And so I really learned kind of the, the value of seeing someone who treats you as a whole person and not just kind of, you know, like symptoms. Um, and so I saw her and I did that treatment protocol for a while and, um, things seemed to, you know, be under control. And then recently I, like two months ago, I had a flare up and, um, I think it was actually due to a lot of different things. We're fundraising, um, for our company right now. And so things are kind of stressful, but also, um, I got Botox for the first time and I have never like, you know, I'd never gotten it before, but I got a little in my forehead and talking to my naturopath now, she was like, Oh yeah, it's, I mean, it's a neurotoxin. <laughs> like literally you're injecting a toxin into your body. And I was like, I mean, I knew that, but I'm pretty superficial. So, um, and, but so she was saying that basically it triggers an immune response. And so they've seen actually a lot of people with autoimmune conditions, um, you know, when they get Botox or any sort of like, even, I, I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of women are getting breast implant or explants, like taking their breast implants out. Um, because it's triggering a lot of these symptoms in autoimmune patients. And so I had no idea. And I was like, well, shit, I shouldn't have gotten Botox obviously. Um, and so I think that was what triggered my most recent flare, but now it's, um, developing into Hashimoto's, which as you know, is a, where your thyroid kind of attacks itself. And so all autoimmune conditions are, you know, once you have one, it's like more common that you'll get multiple, obviously, because your body's kind of in that state. So she's been really working with me to kind of build me up with just immune support, thyroid support, stuff like that. But the biggest thing, honestly, is stress and just mental health, which is the hardest thing. Like I would rather have someone just be like, eat this diet, take these supplements, and then you're good, you know? Um, and so it's been really tough because I've, you know, started to meditate every day and like do all of these, like take long beach walks. And I haven't been working out as much, just trying to really kind of heal and rest. Um, but it's really tough. That's been the hardest part, I think. Um, so yeah, but I'm on the mend, um, at least kind of, you know, working with someone who, has my best interest and, um, we're trying to kind of figure out the root of it. Taking it back to the beginning, I definitely feel you. I mentioned this before we started recording, but you know, nothing against conventional medicine because as a matter of fact, I'm going to an appointment tomorrow with one, but for three years I went, you know, to my primary care doctor and another specialist with symptoms and stuff coming up. And every time they tell me you know, like it's stress from school or, you know, like they'd put me on some like, you know, antibiotic for a bit, whatever it was. And it just fundamentally, you know, I'd leave there thinking, well, what the hell? Because I feel horrible. <laughs> and these people are telling me like, it's fine, it'll go away. And it never does. So I definitely relate on that one. And yeah, I mean, it's just amazing how you find these, 
yeah, like it's kind of a balance, you know, you have your conventional people and then you have your naturopaths and your, your Mm -hmm. functional medicine doctors. And it's finding the balance because as I mentioned before as well, I, I found a functional med doctor and he put me on a bunch of supplements for immune support and thyroid support, hormone support, you know, like all of that. And, you know, there's a time and a place for that. My levels were so low that I really needed those supplements. I still do, you know, and a lot of people warned me against them and it's, but they're, I'm not going to be on them forever. You know, it's, it's, it's a momentary thing. And so I think it's, it's tricky finding that balance between them, but it sounds like you have. And, um, the stress management though, that Mm. is, I agree with you 100%. I'd rather have like a shot in my arm (laughs) than be told I have to manage my stress because I, I don't know how, um, you know, in sleep, it's like, I try, I'm good for two days. And then the next night I'm up all night working. And so I guess you mentioned before you're doing meditation and like beach walks and lower impact exercises. Are there any other ways that you've tried to, you know, integrate a more low stress lifestyle? Yeah. Um, I would say, I mean, going back to the nutrition piece, like just, it's hard for me to admit this, but definitely dieting for a prolonged amount of time is really a stressor on the body. And I strongly believe that the reason that I'm kind of struggling with all of these autoimmune and health issues now, and you know, I'm 26, like my immune system should be on top of the, like, it should be strong as hell, you know? And I know that we live in a world now where there's lots of like environmental toxins and whatnot um, that can contribute, but really I think it came down to just me beating up my body for so long and restricting and binging and just the, the self negative self-talk too. I think that contributes a lot as like many people don't realize is like every time you, you know, wake up and just say these terrible things to yourself, like your body feels that. And as woo woo as that sounds, like it's so true, really kind of shifting that mental, mental energy and, you know, feelings towards your body to a place of like, okay, like, I love you, you're going to heal, you know, you're going to get stronger, you're going to get better, like that actually manifests, manifests itself um, into the true healing. Um, And so something for me really has just been to, to nourish my body, like with foods that are going to support me and think of it from a place of I'm doing this for my health and really not thinking of it, you know, from like a restrictive or like calorie counting or any perspective. I haven't thought that way in years, but, but really making a, you know, a concerted effort, even like showing appreciation and gratitude for the meal that I'm about to eat when I sit down and eat it. Like that's been huge. Um, a lot of times I would be, you know, I'd cook dinner and I'd eat while I was standing up or I'd be scrolling Instagram, you know, while I'm eating. And then I'd finish my plate and like, I was physically full, but like, wasn't satisfied, like, you know, in my soul. (laughs) And so I think like slowing down and really just showing appreciation and like thinking like, okay, where did this food come from? You know, like even just like who like grew this food or like, like this animal that was like killed for my meal, like showing a little bit of just like mindfulness around what you're eating, um, has helped me a ton. And obviously it's easier said than done. Like I still struggle, obviously, you know, I have a million things going on. So sometimes like I'm eating in the car or like when I'm running out the door, um, nobody's perfect, but I think just kind of making that concerted effort, um, has helped me a lot just with like slowing down. What you said in the beginning about, you know, telling yourself like I am healing, you know, just being loving towards your body. I think that's so critical because oftentimes when we don't feel good, that's all we're thinking about, you know, even Mm -hmm. if we're trying not to, it's hard when you don't feel right. You know, when sometimes you're in pain, even it's hard to not focus on that. And then it's like, you're just dumping more negative energy on you. So I've definitely started each morning, no matter how I'm feeling. I just say, I'm like grateful. I even have a body that's functioning at least somewhat. (laughs) And you know, I, I feel okay. I'm healing. And I think that positive self-talk is like you said, just critical. Like we nourish our bodies with food and with meditation and exercise and all of that, but we also need to nourish it from the inside, like with own self-talk. So that is so important. Yeah. And like, this is, I mean, this isn't like unpopular opinion, but I feel like a lot of times 
when people talk about these like autoimmune, you know, diseases and stuff, like they kind of, it becomes their identity so much. Right. And it's like, you know, you see all these support groups and even people on Instagram, it's like, there's like hashtags around these diseases. And I don't know. I, I just, I actually don't think that's really the best way to go because at least for me personally, because like you were saying, like the more you think about it, you're gonna, it's almost like when you like are starting to feel sick and you're like, Oh, I feel sick. And then like you feel worse and worse. And it's like, if you just kind of carry on, obviously, you know, depending on like your pain level and stuff and what you can do. But I found that if I just carry on like with my day to day with like a normal lifestyle and it's like, yes, you're conscious about like trying to manage your stress, but not getting too like wrapped up in like, Oh, I have Hashimoto's and like, Oh my gosh, like my life is over. Like I need to change everything. And it's like, you know, it's just, if it becomes your identity, I think it sort of perpetuates like how you're feeling negatively, at least for me. Um, so kind of just like still go out with girlfriends and like, you know, maybe you're not getting wasted, but like be social and like, just be a normal human and don't like kind of isolate yourself into this like little cave. It's so true. And I mean, like you said, some people, they, they really do identify, you know, and I, I was thinking of that the other day. I was like, there's some people that I only know because, because it's almost as if, you know, their campaign and everything they do is because of, you know, their condition. And like you said, it depends on your level of pain, severity, but it's, I think it is important to have that separation between, you know, um, that part of your life and then like personal life. And mm-hmm. so that being said, what has been, the hardest part of this, you know, healing process for you, whether that's in personal life, you know, with starting your, with, you know, your own company, just Mm -hmm. what has given you the biggest challenge? Um, I think honestly it's been, well, when it, if it relates to the, all the health issues, it's been my, actually my loss or like my change of identity. So I used to be like in college, I was in a drinking club. <laughs> I was so, and which is, I'm not, you know, condoning, but, um, I was so social. I went out every single night, you know, and I've always been this really social outgoing person and I can't keep up. Like we went, um, up to LA for my boyfriend's birthday this past weekend. I didn't drink, um, just because of everything that's going on, you know, alcoholic bad for your immune system. So I haven't been drinking and, but everyone else was, but I still, you know, I stayed up till like three thirty, four 4 a.m. And um, just from staying up that late, like the next day, I was out for the count. The next couple days, I was out for the count. So really tr- like having to kind of just refigure how to live my life in this kind of new, slower way and reminding myself that it's not forever. Like this is just during this period where my body is kind of healing and I need to slow down. Um, that's been really tough. But in terms of like the business and like personal life side of things, um, I would say the biggest challenge is just balancing. I know everyone balance is like so cliche, but really, as you probably know, you know, it's like working for yourself, like balancing your personal life with Instagram and social media, because it all just blends together. And I think balance is like, it's not this like end place that you get to, right? But like at least feeling at the end of the day where it was like, okay, I was productive in my work life, but then I also kind of filled my soul personally too. So like doing things for myself have always been a challenge. Like, um, and especially now that I work from home, I'm always kind of, I don't know if you feel this way, but I, I always feel like I could be doing more to further my business or, you know, I always feel guilty if I'm just like, if I watch TV, like, like God forbid I watch TV for 30 minutes, right? Because you're like, (laughs) I shouldn't be doing this. Um, where before when I worked like nine to five, I would, you know, come home at like five 30 and I would just like veg out for four hours before I went to bed. But now it's like, I never let myself have a minute. Um, so that's probably the biggest thing. Um, but actually, I mean, having these health issues has been kind of a nice excuse for me to, um, to practice some more self-care and, and, and do that for myself. So I a hundred percent relate to what you were saying because I actually, I took this year off from college. And so my big thing was I felt like since I was home, you know, I had to, 
I had to keep up with like everyone in college. So I was, I would like literally be working on projects and, you know, like online schooling and work like from eight in the morning until 10 at night. And the one day it just hit me. I'm like, okay, my friend in college has two classes today and then she's sitting (laughs) and watching TV and like going out with friends for the rest of the day. Like I don't have to be upholding myself to these these standards, whether it's work, college or anything. I just need to do what's best for me, but I, I still struggle with that. And same as you, it's not feeling my best all the time has definitely made me slow down. I cannot keep going constantly. But that being said, what are some things that you prioritize in your day-to-day life to feel your best, whether that's a fitness class, you know, um, a certain time of day where you sit down and, you know, do something for yourself? What are those prioritized moments that really fill you up each day? In my day, I would say, I mean, mornings for me are really sacred. Um, just I wake up really early. It's like embarrassingly early, but around like five, five thirty. Um, realistically, I get out of bed at like five forty-five. Um, but and just having that, like from like five forty-five to probably seven, um, is really like my sacred time. Like I, um have started meditating, like I said, um, just it, with an effort to kind of like, like quiet my mind chatter. Um, and that's been really helpful. I'm, I use like the app Headspace. Um, and the only reason like I swear by that is just because if I just sat there and like didn't have anyone guiding me, I would probably just like think about other things like my to-do list. Um, so that's been really cool. And I just do like 10 minutes. Like I, you know, I know people have these kind of crazy, morning routines, um, and like they can meditate for hours, but that's just, I, I can't sit still for that long. Um, so I try to do that. And then I've been, um, like I said, just like the beach walks are awesome for me just to kind of like, you know, move my body, but not in a really stressful way. So I was always like cardio junkie. Like I would go to Barry's boot camp you know, before work and like soul cycle. And I still, I really miss those because I loved that endorphin rush that I would get. But for my body right now, it's just like, I, I did a um, core power, like yoga sculpts class a couple weeks ago. And, um, I don't know if you ever taken one, but like they're pretty intense and, you know, heated with weights and stuff like that. And I was out for the count for like the next couple days after just one. And I took it easy, you know? So just, I think those reminders of like, okay, you actually do need to do low impact. So I've been doing a lot of like beach walks and Pilates and stuff. Um, but I think really just, yeah, setting aside that time in the morning, um, for like me to feel like I'm in charge of my day. So, you know, before I would wake up and I'm not saying like before, like this was like years ago, like this was like a month ago. (laughs) Um, this is all very recent, but like before this, you know, I would wake up and my alarm was on my phone. So immediately I'd be on my phone and then I would go straight to my emails and Instagram and texts and like it just all of a sudden an hour goes by and it just sets you up for being kind of in this like reactive versus proactive state where you're reacting to everyone else who wants something from you, um, you know, or is like, te- like all this like external stimuli and it's like, you're just waking up. Like your body is like being shocked awake basically. Um, and so this has been really nice because I like don't, you know, I turn my alarm off and then I like, don't look at my phone except to open my little headspace app. And then I feel like in, in charge, right? Like I feel in control of my day. So I don't know. That's just something that has really helped me. And I was never a morning person. Like this is very new. Um, I always woke up like six thirty seven, And so just waking up an extra hour earlier, um, has helped a lot. It sets you up for a good day. And I definitely agree that, you know, first thing going on my phone, that never turns into a good thing. <laughs> so set, yeah, trying to set myself up for a good day is so critical. And everyone has their own way of doing it, whether it's like, you know, a little morning coffee routine. Like, I think you just need to find something that's habitual and, you know, kind of ritualistic that can just kind of ease you into the day. So I think that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There was a study actually um, about coffee drinkers, like how it lowered um, it was like cardiovascular, um, like I think it was heart attack rates or something, 
but um, they actually found that like, like the, they thought the reason for the study was not the coffee itself, but it was that ritual of holding like a hot beverage in the morning and just like being still and quiet. Um, it, I forget. I mean, obviously I'm like butchering the study, but it was really interesting. And it just goes back to that whole kind of idea of like having that just like quiet time in the morning to like check in with yourself before being like flooded with, you know, all of our craziness. <laughs> yeah. And that craziness being mentioned, I assume a lot of that comes from your company. So would you mind, we'll make the transition now into your amazing granola butter. Could you just give like, I know so many people probably already know about it, but could you give <laughs> like, a brief intro into, you know, what it is and what it means to you, like why you, why you wanted to start it? Totally. Yeah. So um, granola butter is the first ever spreadable granola. Um, so the whole idea is that it has like the texture of a nut butter, um, but it's actually nut free. So it's really good for anyone with nut allergies or um, a lot of kids now are in nut free schools. Um, and just, I mean, allergies then themselves are on the rise like crazy right now. And so, and no one really knows why, but there's some hypotheses, um, you know, environmental or just changes in the way that our foods are being grown now. Um, but basically the idea for granola butter came from, I was on my, uh, recovery, you know, intuitive eating journey. And I was just adding a bunch of almond butter and peanut butter and just like nuts back into my diet. Um, just really trying to, you know, attack those fear foods. So I had like restricted those for a really long time. And just, I don't know, I remember feeling so kind of like digestively weighed down from eating so many nuts. Um, and I know that with like the rise of the paleo movement, you know, there's a lot of like almond flour, like baked goods, like paleo muffins and, and almond milk, you know, so we're just I just remember thinking like, wow, I'm eating so many nuts in my day. Like I, especially almonds. Like I was thinking like I'm putting almond milk and almond butter in my smoothie, you know, it was just like a lot. So I was thinking, okay, there, like I wish there was some sort of nut free spread that still had those like really good healthy fats. Um, and there wasn't anything out there that really resonated with me. Like there was the, you know, the sunflower seed butter, but I didn't like the taste. It was really bitter. I thought, um, and then there was like Trader Joe's cookie butter, which tasted amazing, but, you know, nutritionally didn't like leave me feeling great. Um, so I, I was really kind of like, you know, inspired by the taste of cookie butter and then like the nutritional profile of like an almond butter. And so I kind of saw this white space for something that really fit both categories. Um, and so that's kind of where granola butter came from. And, um, so I launched the company a little over a year ago with my boyfriend and then one of our close friends. Um, and so I do kind of the marketing, social media, you know, business, um, or sales side of things. And then Eric, my boyfriend does, you know, finance, technical kind of behind the scenes type stuff, um, operations. Um, and then Ari is our third co-founder and he comes from kind of like a fine dining, um, culinary side. So he helps with, you know, production. We make everything ourselves, um, in our commercial kitchen down in San Diego. So yeah, it's been really exciting. We're, um, we're launching into Whole Foods in about two weeks now, um, just in the Southern Pacific region. So about 50 stores, um, you know, in California, Hawaii, Nevada, stuff like that. So yeah. That is amazing. And yeah, I've just loved, like when I first learned about granola butter, my mind was blown. Yeah, it was just amazing to find, you know, a, a nut-free spread that actually tastes good. <laughs> um, totally. Yeah. But so, no, thank you. oh yeah. So from the beginning, how has your mind shift or how has your mindset shifted, you know, about the entre entrepreneurship in the beginning, you know, did you have a different approach to how you worked and to the company itself than you do now? Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say in the beginning, I mean, it was just, it was so different because we were just really trying to get everything off the ground. Um, and so I think I was kind of like chicken with my head cut off, like trying to do a million things at once. And really we've learned that, you know, delegating and kind of working like smarter, not harder, um, has been really helpful. So like we just hired a um, an intern that's going to help us with, I mean, like mostly kind of like m 
marketing, like with our blog, content marketing, stuff like that, but also sales and just kind of like, she's like a Jane of all trades. Um, and yeah, just like having that person, even though it's a little bit of work up front to like find the right person, you know, onboard them, teach them kind of the ropes. Um, it just pays off in dividends because it's just impossible for, you know, one person or three people as our team is to do everything. And so, um, I think we also kind of realized that, you know, even though we've been doing pretty well, like the food business is just very expensive. And so, um, we're going to be, you know, we're in the middle of fundraising, just like a friends and family round right now. Um, and just having that extra, you know, capital that we can work for digital ads or kind of growing our business, um, is going to be really helpful. And I, I always thought like, Oh, I want to, you know, bootstrap this company like all the way. And I think that it just depends what your goal is. And, um, and really kind of, it's very similar to like how my journey has been with life too, where it's like, Oh, I can do this on my own and like figure it out. And like, it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to use, you know, outside resources and, you know, bring in other people. So that's just like, a little bit of, um, of how things have changed. And then just on the business side of things, um, obviously as we've grown kind of like learning to work with bigger accounts and, you know, onboarding with whole foods, like it's just a whole different ball game versus like some of those smaller markets that we launched into in the beginning. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's all been a learning curve, but it's been fun. It's been fun watching you guys grow <laughs> every time you say you're available somewhere new or a new opportunity. And so I wanted to ask, working alongside your boyfriend and like even your friend, how do you guys maintain a balance so that you're not like constantly talking or thinking about work and so that you don't get just like sick of each other? <laughs> I mean, like working I mean, living together. Do you guys have some? Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we like, there is no balance. Like we literally talk about work all the time. <laughs> um, I, it's been tough. I think that's probably the hardest thing, at least for me personally. Um, but it's really tough to go from, you know, your boyfriend and like, you think you like, like that dynamic and just kind of like knowing that relationship is like, and then just completely turning it on its head. And all of a sudden you're working with that person and living with that person and like having a dog together. I don't know. Like it's a lot of time together. Um, and Eric's in the room right now. Um, and so it really just comes down to, I think like for me, it's prioritizing alone time. And like, we're at the point where, you know, we've been dating long enough that like he understands that like when I need, especially like my mornings or, you know, my beach walks or whatever, like, I need that time for myself because a lot of times I think you can kind of get like, it's so blurry where, you know, you're working together, living together and all of a sudden you kind of lose yourself and you're just always with that person and you can become like very dependent on someone else. And, um, I don't know, I've always been very independent in the sense that, you know, I, um, I I'm outgoing, but I'm very introverted. And so I kind of need that alone time to recharge, um, so just being, yeah, I guess just that's been the biggest thing is like being aware of when I kind of need to spend time alone. But, um, yeah, I mean, to be completely honest with you, like we do talk about work all the time and, um, there isn't really a balance right now, but I think that just comes with the territory of like growing a business and, um, eventually, you know, hopefully we'll get to a place where we'll be able to hire more people. And so we won't be working like every weekend, but, um, for now it's just like, what's happening. I don't know. No. And I think that's wonderful because I mean, you guys, you guys always just look so like loving towards each other. <laughs> whenever <laughs> you guys are on, whenever that's good story <laughs> or post. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys, you guys seem like you're doing amazing. And, but I, I was curious about that. And another thing I wanted to ask you is I feel, you know, when you get in a situation like you are on Instagram and starting your own business, you mentioned this earlier, but you kind of wake up to a lot of people wanting a lot of things from you. And so how have you learned to navigate, you know, like business relationships or even friendships, you know, and build in like 
finds the difference between an actual friendship, a relationship, a bond, and, you know, just kind of keeping it on the work side of things, you know, dealing with people who do just basically want, you know, something from you, whether that's product or connection or, you know, along those lines, how do you differentiate between the two? Yeah, it's been actually really eye-opening, you know, coming from kind of the influencer side of things to the brand side. Like, I had no idea that people just want so much free shit all the time, you know? Like, when you're a brand, I mean, we just get flooded in our DMs. Yeah, I think it, it is tough. And then, you know, on the influencer side, it's tough because – um just trying to figure out, you know, is this person wanting to send me product because, you know, they really want me to try it and, and, or is it like, you know, is there a bigger reason like they want me to post about something? And so there's always, I think this aspect of feeling like people are using you for your platform a little bit. Um, especially when brands come to you, you know, it's kind of just in nature of like, that's like, why they will send you product. Um, and, and I get that, you know, I understand the business side of things, but yeah, I think in terms of like friendship relationships, um, it's pretty easy to kind of differentiate. Like I, I don't really have a problem with, you know, figuring out if someone wants to be like friends with me because they want something from me. Um, I think that's pretty clear and I just have like a good intuition. Um, and I think people are pretty open about it. Like when they come to me, you know, with like a business idea or, um, you know, with like a product that they're working on, um, and people are very like respectful, but yeah, I think it does get tricky when I, you know, have to kind of juggle the line of like being an influencer and, and I put it in quotes just because I hate that term. (laughs) Um, but like having my own Instagram and like having a brand, Because sometimes like when I say things on my personal Instagram, you know, I'm very open, as you know, I'm very transparent about everything that's going on in my life. And like, you can't be the same way on the brand side of things a lot of times. Like when it comes to business, like I try to be as transparent as possible, but sometimes, you know, it's not the right thing to do or it's like not the best thing for the business. Um, And so yeah, I think that's been tricky just because my nature is very much like share everything, overshare, you know? And so um, like when it comes to the business, like Eric has been like, okay, pump the brakes. Like we can't share like all of the things all the time, (laughs) but yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Oh shit moment. Like I probably shouldn't have shared that (laughs) to thousands Mm -hmm. and thousands of people, but I think you do a wonderful job. I love following both accounts and (laughs) for their own purposes. Yeah. Okay. And so I guess the last businessy question, but where do you see yourself and granola butter six months from now? Ooh, I like that question because usually it's like five years from now and I'm like, I don't know. Um, six months from now, I would say, well, first myself, um, hopefully I am feeling better health wise and, um, you know, have, acclimated to more of this slower paced lifestyle um or I'm feeling better so that I can start no I'm just kidding um I (laughs) um but yeah I think health-wise hopefully I'm feeling better um I'll probably still be living in San Diego um still be you know cranking out some content for Avo Queen um and then on the business side of things um so we're launching the little single serving squeeze packets, um, in the next couple of months. Um, so hopefully, you know, those will be kind of out in public. Um, and then I don't know, just really expanding and growing our business and, um, we'll be kind of, I don't know, kind of moving into our own dedicated, um, facility in the next few months too. So getting that going, but yeah, it's like crazy to think that six months, it feels so long, but at the same time, like, I can't believe it's June already. Like, I just feel like it was just New Year's. Um, but yeah, I think, I don't know, just kind of we're in the growth stage right now. So really just growing that, churning that butter. So important. And I agree, just this morning, 
my brother said, I can't like, I can't believe it's June. It's been six months. Like 2019 is already halfway over. I know it's nuts. I can't believe it, (laughs) but it's scary actually. No, definitely scary. (laughs) Well, I'm looking forward to hopefully getting, I want to try those squeeze packs. I love those. Um, when I'm going on like planes and stuff, because obviously I'm not taking like a jar (laughs) of any butter with me, but those squeeze packs are so convenient. Like, you know, just eat plain or like squeeze on some fruit or something. So that is, that was a good move on your guys's part. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, definitely. Well, and it just kind of, I mean, it makes sense because exactly like you're not going to carry around a jar and it just kind of opens up so many opportunities for like, you know, cafes and people who, um, like I actually heard a lot from like cyclists, like they, you know, bring, like if you're on like a long bike ride or something, bringing like little squeeze packs, which I never thought about, or those like crazy people that do ultra marathons, bless (laughs) their souls. I don't know what that's like. (laughs) Yeah. I'll I'll never know that either, but (laughs) I I mean, that would be amazing to have that just ready to go. I, I didn't think of that either. (laughs) Well, where can We'll close up with some rapid fire questions, but before that, where can listeners find you personally on Instagram and then where can they find and learn more about granola butter? Yeah. Um, so personally my Instagram is avo queen. So it's a V O K W E E N. Um, and then granola butter, um, you can just look us up. I'm sure if you type in granola butter, we'll pop up. Um, but our Instagram is queen and co. So K W E-E-N-A-N-D-C-O. Perfect. And I'll link all of that below. Highly suggest everyone listening (laughs) at least look into possibly try granola butter. It it will blow your mind. (laughs) Okay. And so for rapid fire questions, what is your favorite way to use granola butter? Because I know you post some amazing recipes (laughs) using it. Totally. Um, Ooh, that's a good one. I think my favorite way, honestly, is the original, our original flavor, just on apple slices. Mm. That's like straight up. But close second is also, this is like a hack, but if you stir it up and then keep it in the fridge, it becomes kind of like cookie dough type consistency because the coconut oil like gets a little thick and it's so good. Oh, (laughs) you're making me hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> okay. What is your favorite time of day? Um, I got to say my early mornings. I just love it. <laughs> I, I, I was about to ask it and I was like, well, we kind of already went over this. But... Yeah. Yep. Do you have a favorite song at the moment? Ooh, yeah. You know that song, Tatiana? I think so. <laughs> okay. It's my favorite song right now. <laughs> It was like the theme song of my, one of my best friend's bachelorette parties. And so I've just been singing it since. Makes sense. Good, good times, good memories. Make Exactly. <laughs> okay. If you could meet anyone past or present, who would it be? Oh, uh, um, I feel like a lot of people would probably say this, but Michelle Obama, just because she inspires me in so many ways. And she has the best biceps, and I've always wanted her arms. <laughs> They're like goals. <laughs> We've had like two other people say that, say her, <laughs> but really? not, not the bicep part. I love that. Oh, okay. That's like a, obviously, she has so many other amazing qualities. It's like a very superficial one, but. <laughs> oh, but it just goes to show she's a, she's a strong ass woman and she's killing it. Have you read her book? It's amazing. Yeah. I'm just starting it I now. Yeah. I'm, I like, I want to read it all the time. I need to focus on slowing down though, so I can read it more. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And last one, if you could yell one piece of advice from the rooftops for all to hear, what would it be? Mm, It would be stop focusing on losing the last five pounds and start focusing on living your goddamn life. Preach. Oh my gosh. I love that. <laughs> Put it on my tombstone. Yeah. No, honestly, we need a banner of it. Well, thank you so much. You are just an amazing person inside and out and everything you're doing from, you know, your personal Instagram, helping, inspiring, 
and connecting with people to, you know, providing a product as granola butter that are saving so many people from living the nut butter less life. So <laughs> I'm so honored to have been able to talk with you today. And thank you for dedicating your time to this as well. Oh, thank you, Emily. This was awesome. I appreciate you having me. I absolutely loved hearing the side of Ali's life. And as I mentioned in the intro, this is the first podcast, I believe, that she has shared her health journey of late with. And so I feel so honored and I'm, you know, beyond thankful that I have this platform to connect with her and so many other like-minded individuals and you guys. I mean, I had so many of you reach out after the last podcast and it warmed my heart so much just to you know, remind me why I do this, remind me why I put in all the hours and the work and, you know, I'm not making money off of this. It's literally a passion project that takes time and effort and causes a lot of stress, but it is so worth it for these conversations and to hear what you guys think. So, as usual, tag me if you liked it, reach out, makes me smile every dang time, and it means the world. Thank you. If you want to connect with Allie, she is on Instagram at avoqueen. You can also find her granola butter at queen and co. K-W-E-E-N-A-N-D-C-O. You can find me on Instagram at thrive underscore on life, and I'll link all of this below. I'll cut it off there because I've got some things to do, but I'll see you guys next week. Stay tuned for a very riveting conversation that I think you'll really like. Bye, guys.